Today's episode of the Hot Forward Podcast is sponsored by Brewpacks. Brewpacks have been providing microbrewery supplies in small and manageable sizes for over 25 years, acting as agents and resellers for some of the world's best producers of ingredients, sundries and equipment. With some of the industry's lowest minimums and lead times, Brewpacks aim to make their products accessible to all. Partnering with Oushouse Engineering, Brewpacks have released their smallest can seamer at a cost-effective price, while also aiming to provide cans in the smallest minimums as possible to make the introduction into canning as easy as can be. Call Brewpacks today on 01709 That's 01709 or visit their website brewpacks.com. This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to another session of the Hop4 podcast. The Apprentice. What comes to mind when you hear these words? Perhaps the first image you conjure up is of some wide boy in a suit who isn't just a one-trick pony or a two-trick pony, but is a whole field of ponies and would crawl over his dead grandma for Lord Sugar's lucrative investment and business insights. Or on the other hand, it's the young whippersnapper that's super keen to learn their craft on the job and expected to be doing yeast cell counts or putting together their own HACCP plan, but instead finds themselves making tea and playing solitaire on the office computer all day while overlooked by those who are busy doing the real work. We all have our preconceptions about what an apprentice actually does. And in this day and age that values knowledge work over physical labour, those preconceptions about apprenticeships have driven hordes of young adults in particular to enrol in university degree courses. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but as me and my wife often say, you don't call a biochemist when your boiler dies. You call a plumber. But again, preconceptions. If you visit the National Apprenticeship website, you'll be quickly met with an extensive list of schemes ready to train people in some of the following jobs. For example, agriculture, floristry, fencing. I presume they mean building fences rather than the art of sword fighting, but you've got to admit, that'd be cool. Funeral operations and services. Building and service, engineering, ductwork, craft person. I mean, come on, who doesn't want to be one of those? Or get this, okay, a powered, pedestrian door installer and service engineer okay we're going niche now okay you can imagine the conversation happening okay kid gets home from school how was the careers fair today sweetums oh mum i know what i want to be when i grow up i want to be a mineral processing mobile and static plant operator or a refrigeration air conditioning and heat pump engineering technician or my personal favorite an organ builder Unfortunately, apprenticeships often get a bad rap, particularly when it comes to wages, the quality of the apprenticeship schemes offered, or employers who take advantage and take on apprentices for the sole benefit of cheap labour and a £1,500 payout from the UK government. 
but land yourself a good apprenticeship scheme and you can gain insights and knowledge from some of the top professionals in the industry who have worked at some of the world's largest breweries. And whatever you think of Big Beer, their standards and training more often than not far outstrip the independent microbrewing sector. And land yourself a good apprentice and you could have an employee for life. While apprenticeships generally offer good training, certification and the potential to carve out a long-lasting career, there's no getting around the UK government's current national minimum wage for an apprentice, which is £4.15 per hour. And that's not just for the 16 to 18 year olds, that applies to anyone 19 and over in their first year of apprenticeship. While Mark and I don't discuss any specific events or conversations that have been taking place within the industry, we do talk about some of the underlying issues surrounding pay versus experience, ethical and living wages and ultimately valuing people that often drives these conversations. And as taboo as it can sometimes be to talk about money and earnings, it's a conversation that the brewing and hospitality sector desperately need to contend with. But the main bulk of our conversation focuses on the positive aspects of apprenticeships, which Mark is the brewing lead for HIT Training, which is working with the University of Nottingham. Many who know Mark will attest to his care and dedication to the industry, and he certainly has earned his stripes in the world of brewing, as you'll hear from his impressive resume. Anyway, before we take the lid off our discussion on apprenticeships within brewing, it's time to crack open this week's... After working together on large beer festival events in Southern Hampshire, David and Drew planned their brewery, Sea Town Brew Co, as far back as 2015. Together with heaps of finance, brewing, building teams and event organising experience, armed with a love of great beer and food, they set off on their journey from the railway town of Eastleigh and found themselves travelling to nearby Winchester and Southampton just for a decent night out. After finding a historic and characterful mixed-use building down Bishopstoke Road next to the Eastleigh train station, they finally opened in November 2017 with a six-barrel brew house, bar and restaurant refurbished to give a nod to the local industrial heritage railway. And David and Drew set out to make and serve some of the best flavour-forward craft beers that they could, accompanied by US dirty burgers and fries. Ian Mitchell, if you're listening, I'm going to say two words. Dirty burgers. For an audience of one, say no more. Brewing malt and hot forward beers and everything balanced in between. They love making straight-up, solid, no-nonsense ales always looking to refine and invest to grow and share what they love. They've now doubled their brewing capacity and plan to triple this year, bringing lagering into the mix on a permanent basis. Packaging into cask, keg, bottles and cans, Steamtown are well respected across the Southern Hampshire area and are now looking to grow further afield. So I'm going to crack this open. I love a good West Coast IPA. So here it goes. So I just want to say a huge thanks to Steamtown for sending this through. Look at the head on that. Okay, here we go. That is a very good, faithful West Coast IPA. Ooh, there's a good malt kick at the end of that. So 
I'm getting a lot of bitterness up front, which is good. And you're getting all those hot flavours. But you get a really nice malty flavour that lingers right at the end. And it's not like overly sweet or anything. It's just, it's just, it just go. the flavour goes on. It's, it's really good. So, um, so yeah, well done to Steamtown Bruco. Really good beer, that. So if you want to try their range of beers, which I shall be doing shortly after this Westie, uh, you can head over to steamtownbrewco.co.uk and pick up a variety of cans, bottles, and mini kegs. And should you be listening in the local area, their food looks absolutely amazing. I'm telling you, it's making me hungry just looking at it. And it's available to order and collect online. So once again, head over to steamtownbrewco.co.uk and discover a first-class brewery making some first-class beers. See what I did there, Peter Griffin moment. <laughs> each and every week we've partnered with brew school to highlight a job in the uk brewing industry so if you're looking to get into the industry or you're thinking of having a career move or advice and new opportunities you can head over to their website which is brewing-jobs.brew-school.com and take a look for yourself so this week posted on the 4th of august uh durham brewery are looking for a head brewer now uh, if you're familiar with durham brewery they make some really really nice ales and their imperial stout is really good now ideally they're looking for people with brewing qualifications such as an ibd diploma or a bsc brewing science or better and you need to have at least three years experience working in a commercial brewery if you have experience of HACCP and preferably the salsa scheme too and can implement and maintain those standards that's really beneficial as well so it'd be helpful if you live close to barburn or can relocate as the beer needs monitoring over weekends salaries will be dependent on experience if this is you then head over to the brewing jobs website that's brewing-jobs.brew-school.com and click on the link for durham brewery and you can send your cv over with a covering note to ellie that's e L-L-Y at durhambrewery.co.uk That's Ellie at durhambrewery.co.uk Finally, if you are a fan of Hop Forward, then please follow us on all the socials at Hop Forward Beers. Head over to iTunes and Spotify and other major podcast platforms and leave us a little review, or at very least, give us a little five-star, okay? It doesn't take much to get your phone out and do the little five-star thing. That will help other people find the podcast and hopefully benefit from it and learn a lot. And finally, if you are looking for branding, marketing, or business development, then please feel free to get in touch with me. Visit hopforward.beer and look at some of the examples of work that... I do with breweries and beer businesses. Okay, so we are talking all about apprenticeships with Mark Tetlow, who is the brewer lead for HIT training with Nottingham University and brewery consultant for his own business, The Beer Hub, which you can find at thebeerhub.co.uk. So let's crack open today's interview with Mark Tetlow. 
My guest on the show today is Mark Tetlow, who is the brewing lead for HIT Training, uh, which does work with Nottingham University, and a brewery consultant. Hello. Uh, yeah, good afternoon. How are you? Very good. Very warm, but very good. Stuck in my little room in the heat blaring out of the window. Fun and games. I've just noticed we've got the same colour T-shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the, you got the memo as well? <laughs> yeah, I did, yes. Awesome. Yeah, serendipity, there we go. <laughs> cool so i mean i've been looking to get you on the podcast for ages it feels like so um we we, we finally finally got there yeah we did finally got together brill well can, can you give a bit of background um for our listeners who might not be familiar with you who you are what experiences you've got and what you're doing now okay yeah um well i am a, a qualified brewer um so i started off my career way back in the midst of time uh working for courage breweries down in bristol uh, working in the laboratories at the brewery. Right. Um, and then from there, uh, I moved up to Harriet Watt, uh, and I took the brewing degree at Harriet Watt, uh, and also whilst there, set up the Harriet Watt uh, Brewing Society, which I believe is still running today. Mm. Um, left Harriet Watt, uh, had the option to go further and go on to do um, further qualifications there, but decided to, to, take, uh, to take a job. And uh, so I worked for um, Samuel Smith's up in Yorkshire. And I worked there for two years, uh, everything from uh, brew house through fermentation and into the uh, the Iinga Brow Lager Brewery, as it was. Right. Um, after that, uh, I then got approached. Um, uh, I, went, I went to uh, Marsden's Brewery um, and I worked for Marsden's Brewery for about five years. Again, brew house fermentation, uh, uh, system packaging manager, running the bottling um, and um, packaging large pack operations. And then at that point, after five years, I got approached uh, through the old brewers network and I got uh, invited to go to Everard's Brewery as quality manager. Um, so I joined Everard's. Uh, probably 20 odd years ago uh, and I worked there for 21 years uh, and I covered everything from raw material through to final product uh, including the pubs I was responsible for technical services um, so I was very unusual in the brewing world that I actually uh, had a responsibility right the way through to right even right to the point I didn't stop at the gate mm. uh, so quite a lot of trade experience as well trade support um, training trade equipment um, reporting into the um, operations director, myself and the head brewer reported into the same person. Uh, and then um, a number of years ago, probably about four or five years ago, Everard's, as you're probably aware, uh, started to build a new brewery. Um, so uh, they uh, released their brewing staff. Um, and at that point, I decided to set up as an independent consultant. So uh, I run a, or I have a consultancy business called The Beer Hub. Um, and I basically supported breweries in a number of areas, quality, salsa, uh, FSQs. Uh, I did some work, do some work for Casmark. I did some training. I did a lot of meet the brewers and things whilst I was at Everard. So I wrote some articles for the, the press and do some work for the Beer Academy. Uh, as I'm, a, I'm a beer sommelier as well. Um, and then I was approached by um, a company called Hit Training, who are an apprenticeship provider. Uh, and I did some work as a consultant for them, helping to build the new um, uh, hit 
uh, brewer apprenticeship mm. and then um, that worked very well and I ended up working pretty much full time for them now uh, as the brewer lead uh, heading up the program so that's wow. kind of what I do now. So <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty experienced then. Uh, been around the houses a bit, yeah. <laughs> so with, with courage, that's that must have been quite a while back. So when is that? Like, is that? Whoa, uh, that's probably in the mid eighties, I think. Um, maybe even slightly earlier. So yeah, probably sort of eighty two, eighty three. Right, I was born uh, in eighty two. So George's brewery by the river. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I think now the audience has got an indication of how old I actually am. There you go. Sorry, <laughs> now, I let you cut out the bag. <laughs> now you've said that. Um, no, that was a great. That was a great first job working in the, the in an old traditional cast brewery, um, and understand at that point I had no intention of working uh, in the brewing industry. I, mm. I I worked there whilst I was I was at Bristol Poly doing applied biology and micro uh, microbiology, and that was just like a student job which turned into a full time job. And somebody said to me, "Do you do realise you can take this up at a degree level?" Um, and uh, I was quite shocked. Um, because if I go back a little further, my originally started off to be a dentist. Um, oh, wow, that was my wow. original path, um, but that didn't quite work out because of me not working hard enough for my A levels. <laughs> um, so I kind of diverted into food, stroke brewing, and sort of moved on from there. Really, yeah. So how? Because how, obviously you're involved with apprenticeships today, which is what we'll come on to in more detail. Um, through hit training but like how have you seen through your own experiences and just kind of being around other people coming into the industry how, how have you seen that kind of apprenticeship vocational model change over the years you know because I, I get people contacting me saying oh I listen to your podcast I want to get involved in the beer industry but I'm finding it really hard to find a way in um, because obviously brewing and being in the world of beer these days is very popular What take us all the way back to Courage what was it like back then Okay, um, yeah, uh, to, to get into the brewing industry, um, it was very much you went through traditional uh, academia uh, to get your qualifications. Uh, it wasn't necessarily having to do a brewing degree, but it n was normally a science degree of some, of some type. That kind of got you into the, into the system. Uh, and then within the system, as you progress, you would carry on and do your uh, qualifications with the Institute of Brewing. Um, so your diplomas or your master brewers and you'd work your way up like that um, it was very difficult for somebody to get into the brewing industry without a degree to be fair um, most people who got on if they they would come in through the shop floor level and one or two of them would would um, rise through but the majority of brewers came from university um, and that that had been going on for a long long time um, and a lot of those jobs, uh, I have to say, was part of the network, the brewing network. Uh, you, who you knew, and whose fathers was in, and whose grandfather was in. It was very much almost Victorian. I'd like to right. say, I suppose. <laughs> What's kind of happened with um, over the last few years is with the with the um, growth of the craft industry. Uh, lots of young um, aspiring brewers have. have basically set up and, and started the process of, of brewing. Um, and some have done very well and a lot of them learning along the way. Um, but there's always been this dichotomy between what I would call established brewers and the new the new, the new wave, mm. if you like. Yep. Um, and, and, and there's always been like this boundary there. Um, so I think 
and why I sort of carried on with The Apprentice is what I like about it was you didn't have to go through the traditional routes of university um, if you, to, to get into it via the apprenticeship. Um, you, as long as you have, have reasonable uh, qualifications in English and maths, um, then you can get in. But you'll, you will be taught by established brewers, um, world, some of the lecturers at the university are world leading, I mean, they write the textbooks, um, and get the opportunity to meet other brewers from big breweries and small breweries. So it's, it's, it's a really interesting way to get into the industry. And I have to say that the phone is pretty red hot at the moment. I, 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 I've filled up my recent course. I've got my next October intake, which looks like it's going to be a double intake. Uh, and even this morning, I had two inquiries about the apprenticeship. So it seems to tick some of the boxes, definitely. Yeah. So just talking about apprenticeships, so do you, do you want to just unpack a little bit about HIT training and, and, and how that works and partners with breweries and some of the breweries that are involved with that scheme? Yeah. So it kind of started a little bit before I joined, but there was a task force that got together, uh, an industry cross-industry cross task force with... Um, various people. So you've got people like Heineken, Adnams, uh, Brewdog, Innocent Gun, Green King, Hogsback, Five Points. So there were a number of breweries of different size kind of got together in a room and said, look, you know, we need to find a way of getting uh, the, this young, the young talent into the industry who aren't necessarily wanting to go through university and take on the necessary debts that that incurs. So they came up with uh, a syllabus um, and it was uh, it was uh, sort of agreed with themselves, uh, and the BBPA were involved, uh, the Institute of Brewing were involved, the IBD were involved, um, and the university were involved. So it was a it was a very robust um, syllabus that then goes to the Institute of uh, Apprenticeships to be um, checked uh, and agreed. And eventually, after um, it probably took about a year, eighteen months, um, they agreed that it would be a level four. Um, and so 18 months ago or just over, we started to develop uh, or started to the first intake and started to run the course. I think the reason it's been successful is because hurt training are not necessarily connected with brewing. They are connected with hospitality training. Mm. And I think to have an external person pulling all the desperate groups together um, around a table, I think that's what made it work. Um, I think I don't think the industry, with all due respect, would have been able to do it on its own, yeah. Because uh, everyone comes from a slightly different agenda, yeah. So I think it it was was vital to get those parties around the table, um, and to make it, it and and to bring their experience of apprenticeships, uh, which the brewing industry don't really get because we don't nobody else does it, um, to bring their knowledge to the table and say, okay, this is your syllabus this is how it will work in an apprenticeship model. So I think they were the key to that. that. And that was, that was very much driven by uh, the pub principal, um, uh, a chap called Jeremy Scorer, uh, very active in the hospitality industry. And it was very much his dream and his vision that, that drove that through. Mm. So talk to me about what an apprenticeship in reality actually looks like, because I think we, we hear this word apprentice and it's not something in 
I would say in the really modern day and age, 21st century, that everybody goes through, not like in, you know, in older times where you, as you said earlier, you know, you, you take on the family business and you become an apprentice of the teacher teaching you how to do the stuff and how to do everything. You know, we've, we've moved very much in a lot of ways from um, manufacturing work or, or craft, quote unquote. I'm not going to go into all that. You can read Pete Brown's new book on all that for that bit. But, um, you know, we, we've gone from that model to basically knowledge work. Um, apprenticeships aren't as prevalent as maybe they once were. So so the, the word apprentice can mean in people's minds anything from Alan Sugar, some people in suits talking about how they'd crawl over their dead grandmother to be Lord Sugar's next apprentice, right through to some young kid you know, he's going to work on the shop floor and his, you know, his jobs are, go and make me a cup of tea. So what, what does an apprenticeship actually look like? And what, and what are the advantages of somebody doing an apprenticeship rather than going straight into getting a foot in the door with a local brewery, for example? Um, well, the first thing to clear up is the apprenticeship or the apprentice is, is not the dog's body that makes the tea. Um, very much not uh, at that, that, the level um, so basically the role or the, the, the structure, the apprentices are learning on the job. So what do I mean by that? So they will have six two-day workshops at Nottingham University with the professors there, and we will cover everything in the brewing process, right down to quite a level, to be frank. Um, so we'll be looking at raw materials and um, breweries, louter tons, mash filters, uh, different types of boil, different types of copper, packaging lines, can cake, bottle and cask, then legislation, then some quite advanced calculations to work out efficiencies, uh, fluid dynamics, uh, chemistry, enzyme chemistry. There's a, it's it's really quite full on. Mm. But but the beauty of doing it like this is it's done in in part. So they'll learn about raw materials. And then my role is to visit them in their in their place of work um, and say, OK, guys, well, you learned today about um, mashing temperature. Let's go and have a look at your mashing system. And we go, well, there's your temperature probe. That's why you've done it like this. That's your grist to liquor ratio. Um, tell me a little bit about the um, HACCP, for instance, or critical control points or protective equipment. What legislation is that on? Oh, yeah, that's to do with this. And it's really trying to make those classroom elements come alive. And the beauty of it, doing it like that, is all of the students are individual. Some of them have come into it completely green. Some of them have been working there for a while. Some of them are graduates. Uh, some of them aren't. So it's really adapting. My role is to adapt those learns and make them become real. Um, we can all sit down, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have sat down and read books about oxygen control in a brewery. Yep. But to actually go to the brewery and say, look, see that seal there? That's where you've got a problem. Or that pump is cavitating. Or your top pressure um, on, on your bright beer tanks, the, the, the valve isn't seating. So actually see it. Um, and one of the examples I always give is pumps. You know, you can read about pumps, and they're not the sexiest thing in the world. But actually, going around a brewery and showing somebody and saying, explain to me how that works. And then they can see a centrifugal pump and they can work out how it goes in and where it comes out. Because a lot of brewers look at a pump and they don't really too sure which way it goes. But once you understand that and you understand the mechanism going on behind it, and then you understand that you use those pumps because you can go against a dead end, 
and they won't blow up as opposed to a positive displacement pump. All, it sounds technical, but all of those things in the real world is really important so the guys can feel it and touch it and say, oh, yeah, I get it. I absolutely get why we do what we do. Mm. And I think that's the beauty of this apprenticeship. And and I have to say that a number of the head brewer mentors on site are asking are, are asking questions as well. Um, so their knowledge is beginning to build, uh, and that's great. There's no there's no shame in them not knowing all the answers. Um, uh, and I'm finding with some of the students, we're doing business critical projects. So the brewery needs a HACCP system. So set the student up to do a HACCP system. He learns about it at the uni and he puts it into place in his brewery. Um, so it's, it's very dynamic. Um, and I love that. I, I love seeing these people develop and and come together. I've, I've had some students who are still doing it have moved to bigger breweries mm. based on the training that they've had. It's interesting you should say about the the seals and the oxygen um, because it, that highlights a really good point. I was going to bring up how there's a lot of talk about TDOP um, or total dissolved oxygen pack for um, canning at the moment, and I got involved in one conversation where um, I was talking about canning and they were saying about these particular seamers and all the rest of it, and with you know be, being the issue, there's a, you know there's, it's, it always a lot of people seem to come back to a small issue like purging the can, for example, if you do not on a small, which most of this is small, really small scale canning. But I talked to somebody else recently and this opened my eyes. It were like, um, they'd been around another brewery that were convinced that that was the issue when it came to their canning, you know, the purging of the can, when actually the oxygen was getting in further upstream due to a seal on a hose. Now, with an apprenticeship, I, I appreciate that you've got people like yourself and other really technically well-versed brewers who have got decades of experience versus maybe like some of the, as you put it, the, the new wave where um, maybe some people haven't got that kind of weight of experience. Um, do, I mean, do you think that for the latter, that way, where they've gone into it green and they've had to get those hands-on experiences for themselves, which I'm sure have, have given them lots of value and, and given them loads of knowledge because, you, you know, you learn by doing. Like, do you think that apprenticeships are, are generally just better all round for people to go in and, and not have to make those mistakes for themselves, basically? Yeah, I think so. I think you're, that's a great example that you bring about uh, impact oxygen. Um, there's there's lots of problems on small packaging lines. A lot of it is is the stop and starting causing it. But uh, but actually understanding that once the oxygen's into that liquid, it starts to react. It starts to bind. It starts to cause your colour problems and your oxidative problems. And once it's there, it's there. I'm not going to quote the brewery, um, but I heard a conversation the other day about somebody who'd had some beer packaged and the oxygen levels were high. So the brewery packaging just said, well, we'll let it go down by naturally and then it'll be fine. Well, once it's gone down, it's already bound with the beer. It's caused the problem. And I think the beauty of an apprenticeship is to be able to to call on the knowledge of numerous people in the industry. Some a lot of them far better than more intelligent than myself um, and say, what could possibly cause this? You know, when when you can ring up Professor Rod White and say, what did cause do about a problem like this? Any problem that's happened, they've had it yep. and they've solved it. Um, 
and and I've got students who do this. Well, I've got one uh, way back, way out back brewery down in Southport in um, the South Coast, who's just put in a, a new brewery. He's taken advice from one of the guys, uh, Zane Barnes up at the university, who's one of our lecturers, who's put breweries in all over the world, massive breweries. So he's got free access to a high consultant for no cost. Um, so I think I think you're right. I think the beauty of an apprenticeship is having access to people who've done it, who've been there, uh, or, or know somebody who has. Because mm. um, if I don't, I get asked questions, and I'm learning from a lot of the guys. I don't know an awful lot about dry hopping um, and biotransformation and hop creep, because I'm from the old world of classic British ales. So I'm learning an awful lot about that from the guys as well. Um, so it, it, it's it's a great font of knowledge that you 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 have access to. Yeah, probably more than a university, to be fair, because mm. you're in a very small cohort in a university. Yeah, I think one of the things that often comes up when it comes to apprenticeships is is the pay rate. What's your take on apprenticeship pays? Because there's a, there's a lot of focus, particularly in the beer industry at the moment, on pay. Um, you, you know, I, there, there's there's one brewery, I'm sure. When I quote this figure, people will know who it is. Um, but there's one brewery that have a minimum of 30k for their entry level staff. Um, like, it, do, you, do you feel like there's a disparity when it comes to apprenticeships, or or do you, or is is what's fair for an apprentice? Because something that I just clocked on what you said was apprentices are gaining access to top consultant level people. Yeah. Now, if I'm paying, if I want that knowledge, like if I wanted that knowledge for my brewing from you, I'd have to pay really good money for that. Or yeah. if people come to me for like branding and marketing consultancy, they pay really good money for it yeah, because yeah. I've accumulated that experience. Like, so what? What? How? How does how does pay work essentially for apprentices? And um, is there a quote unquote right or wrong when it comes to this? Pay. Yeah, it's a difficult call um, because the, the minimum apprentice uh, hourly rate is set across all apprentices and it doesn't really matter if it's a level one, a level four or a level five. Mm. That's a government um, thing, isn't it? It's a government, it's a government thing. Um, now, bear in mind, the, I know why the government do that. Bear in mind, the government will be funding at the back of it that training. So, for instance, the small brewer who takes on the brewer's apprenticeship will pay probably about 500 quid to a thousand overall the other eight thousand pound is funded by the government so there's quite a lot of cash that the government is paying on the other end mm. um to fund the apprenticeship um i always say to my the, the guys that work with me the employers that work with me you've got to pay people a fair wage um i think it's only right if you are investing time and money in that person you need to pay a fair wage um you you run the problem to be fair if you if you're underpaid uh, and those students are now mixing with students who are being paid a fair wage, you then get some um, disapp- despondency for want of a better word from your from your student. Um, but you also got to bear in mind that that employer is not just paying that wage; she's also paying for them to have six trips to Nottingham University. He's funding that accommodation. He's funding the 20% off the job training, which basically means that everything the student does that's new and learning um, is, is 20% off the job. So there's a large amount of the time that the student is not necessarily productive to the brewer, um, but that's still he's still being funded. 
So the brewer is paying more than that headline, the headline rate. Um, but having said all of that, I think uh, the brewers should pay a fair wage for a fair job. Yeah. So an equitable wage, a wage in the market. I mean, that figure you quoted of 30,000, I don't know many of my young brewers who have been paid that as an introductory brewer. Mm. Well, and that I, is a very good call. Well, I spoke to, again, I'm not going to name the brewery, but I spoke to the um, the MD of a quite a large brewery, regional brewery, and asked what their entry-level rate was, and it was it was just above 20K. Obviously, there are mm. benefits and all the rest of it, um, mm. which is kind of what I would expect, yeah. really. Um but I mean, I've experienced this myself, and I know plenty of people that have experienced this themselves. Um, but there are there are lots of head brewers out there, even who don't even get that. They get minimum wage, and they might be in their late twenties, in their thirties, or even in their forties. I mean, what do you think the industry can do on a wider scale to pay people? fairly because obviously there are a lot of complexities to all this you know it's easy to say you need to pay people more but it's a very tight budget industry and um you know if you think about running any business all the costs that you've got going on you know you've got i mean brewers are hit with loads of different taxes um you know you've got your your rate all your your rates all your bills your raw material costs all your unforeseen costs, your uh, distribution costs, you know, there's, where, where, where should we land in an ideal world on this? Okay. Um, I think we've got a couple of issues here. I think historically the head brewers would have gone through a recognized training path right. um, to get to that point. Uh, and I mean, I, I know what, the head brewers in regional breweries and big breweries were, and it's substantially more than 30,000. Um, but they went through a path, and they were, to pick up on your point earlier about consultants and, and when they come to you for marketing and they pay a fair price, they're paying for your knowledge. Yep. That's what they're paying for. They're not paying for the physical book you do. They're paying for your knowledge, what you know, 20 years of experience, whatever it is that's inside your head. That's what they're paying for. And in the old world, that's what you were paying for the head brewer. Now, I think as an industry, we, we've demeaned ourselves. We've got too many head brewers. It's become, um, oh, I'm a head brewer. I had a guy the other day, 17, oh, I'm a, I'm a head brewer. You're not. You can't possibly be a head brewer at 17. Um, so I think we've given people false aspirations. Um, so Is that because the there's so many breweries? Why yeah, people saying that? It's because there's so many breweries and it because we haven't put in proper formalised qualifications that people will come on board with to build their knowledge base so they become um they become valuable in the market mm. yeah. if you want to go if you get want to go and become head brewer at um ab inbev you will be expected to have done a serious amount of training um to 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 to, to get the salary that they are offering um and with all due respect there's an awful lot of smaller brewer head brewers who are very good head brewers but they would never get to the point where they become a head brewer of a major brewery because yeah. they haven't got the qualifications. So I think the apprenticeship goes some way to answering that. If we can make, as all brewers, if we can make ourselves more saleable and we can prove our value through our knowledge and experience, then the, then we can start a little bit more to, 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 
dictate what the market should pay. Mm. Um, and you've only got to look at any any skill, any profession, you know, whether you're an accountant or a doctor or whatever, you're actually paid on your knowledge, what you know. So if you've got no record of proof of what you know, how are you ever going to get to that, um, that those those salaries? Yeah. Um, so it's a kind of a, an aspirational thing. It's a kind of an education thing. Um, and the, and there are a lot of brewers. Um, yeah. And how that will change with COVID, who can tell? Yeah. Um, well, surely, I mean... I mean, surely apprenticeships are a good thing as well, particularly in today's job market. I mean, it was on the news that UK employment falls by the biggest amount in over a decade with 220,000 people out of work on the quarter, according to the Office for National Statistics. And then, um, I don't know if you can see that, but the the image shown is uh, somebody in the hospitality industry, (laughs) lo and behold. Um, So... Surely doing an apprenticeship is playing the long game. Am I right in thinking that, or am it, I mistaken? Or no, I think you're absolutely right. It is playing the long game. It's it, it's looking at your overall career progression. I mean, at the moment, there are very few jobs um, out there um, to be offered an opportunity to do something that you're going to come out of it at the end better equipped than you went in. Mm. Um, it's got it's got to be advantageous. Uh, apprenticeships. I was listening to Radio Four before I came online. They were talking about apprenticeships and how uh, the government is, is is actively pushing them because it's a way of retraining and training up the workforce for when we get through this this awful situation. Um, so yeah, okay, it might not be the greatest salary in the world uh, as long as it's an equitable salary. There are more things. Um, to working than than the take home pay. I mean that knowledge. You come out of that apprenticeship with a fa- level four, which is a foundation degree. You've got a much bigger market you can go and offer your services to than if you come out of it at the end with, well, I worked in a brewery. Mm. Um, how do you prove it? Well, I worked in a brewery. Okay, but how do you prove it? I can't. Um, so it's got to be beneficial. Uh, and, and as a country, I think apprenticeships and training. Uh, is the only way we're gonna we're gonna get out of this. Uh, there's going to be retraining. There's going to be people having to learn new skills. Um, there's going to you know look at the green agenda. Uh, people being skilled up for solar panel installation and boiler mm. installation and heat pumps and all the rest of it. I think that that's the only way we're going to come through it. Um, and with all due respect to my colleagues in the bar, um, when you've done your bar work, um, you. You, if, unless you've got any qualification, you'll only be doing bar work. Yeah, you won't move up. Uh, and I'm, I'm not to cry in those people. My son works in a bar, but it's um, it, it's all about qualification. Yeah, it, and, and and proof of knowledge. So if there are brewery owners out there listening to this, which I, well, I know there will be brewery owners out there listening to this, and they're thinking, you know, we 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 want to train some young blood or some new blood even, they don't necessarily have to be young. Um, but, you know, the, the the chips are down financially. We, we can't meet the, you know, aspirational £30,000 entry level, um, which, you know, would, would be amazing if, if all, all businesses could, you know, and, and offered people a, a wage where they could get a mortgage and all the rest of it. Um, but, you know, 
small to medium-sized enterprises don't generally work like that because there never seems to be that much cash in the pot. Like, what other things can employers do to basically to um, other other than training through apprenticeships? What what can they do to benefit the employee or the apprentice so they feel valued? Um, because in a capitalist society, we can fall into the trap of thinking that people only value being paid more. And they don't, because some people aren't that fussed about having, you know, a bigger car, a bigger house, a bigger TV, a bigger everything, you know, living the capitalist dream, so to speak. Um, they, they care about having flexibility and freedom and creative freedom. Um, so what, what can employers do to, to foster and, and, and nourish and nurture that? Um, well, obviously the apprenticeship, but uh, that, to the, that to one side. Um, you've got to value your employees, so you, you, you've got to internally train. Uh, you can point them to the Institute of Brewing. So there's, I mean, a lot of their regional meetings when they have uh, lectures are free. Um, you've got uh, online resources. You've got... You know, it can be as simple as funding a couple of really good textbooks and helping that person to learn and structuring it internally. Now, it's a lot of work for the brewer, but start structure it internally. And maybe the way that you set your pay grade is based on attainment through different parts of your brewery. So effectively, you are doing an apprenticeship type thing within your own workplace. Mm. Um, but giving... Giving, you've got to give your staff those skills and you've got to give them that empowerment um, so that they come out at the end of it and they feel that they've known more um, they've known more than they did when they started. So it's been supportive. Um, and I think sometimes some of the really, really small breweries that have been set up with a guy who's never really done any brewing brings in a young guy to teach, but he can only teach him the bits that he's learned. There's an awful lot more that he doesn't know. Mm. Um, so that guy ends up being a dog's body, being a cask roller and a cleaner. Um, and, you know, you've got to give people knowledge and you've got to give them empowerment. Um, you'll know yourself from experience of big companies. It's all about your prof continuing professional development. And that's how you progress through a company. You learn more, you move up, you do something else, you learn more, you move up. And, and that's how it works. And there's no reason why that can't work in a small operation. Um, I just fear that a number of small brewers are running at 100 miles an hour uh, and not seeing the wood for the trees. Yeah. Um, Do you think that there's a bit of an issue in the brewing industry? And when I say the brewing industry, probably what I mean is the, the smaller independent brewing industry rather than the, the larger breweries that you've been experienced to as an employee in your time. Um, of, I guess, a couple of things. Short-sightedness in terms of, like, you're, you're in the moment here and now, as you say, the wood you can't see the wood for the trees. They don't think about the longevity and the, possibly not even career brewers, you know. And mm. the other question, I guess, off that is, um, why do you think that a lot of brewers tend to move around quite a lot? Because I know um, I was at Timothy Taylor's back in, I think it was in January this year, and... Um, they joke about Andy LeMann, who's their head brewer, being the the longest standing apprentice or something like that. Um, just because he he was he was there as like no, number two for such a long time before he got the top job, um, you know. And and you look at someone like that who's just been 
in that brewery since the 90s whereas you know you, you hear about a lot of brewers moving around all the time i mean what why do you think that happens um i'll tell you a little story about andy leman uh, andy leman came out of harriet what with me right i got the we both went for sam smith's job i got sam smith's job he got timothy taylor's job and the women at Sam Smith said, oh, we wish they'd taken Andy LeMann on because he had long blonde hair and he's much better looking than you. <laughs> and I still remind him of that every time I see him for a beer. Um, yeah, I've known Andy for a while. I think I think Andy's career is very similar to a lot of the uh, established regional brewers. Um, they look after their staff. They train them up. They don't uh, they don't put them in positions that they aren't able to do. So they don't they don't. Um, they stretch them, but they don't. They don't give them the opportunity to fail unnecessarily. So they move them through. And he would have gone through the same path as me. He would have worked in the brew house, in the fermentation. He'd have been cleaning and racking and doing everything else. And eventually, he's worked his way to to become a head brewer. Hmm. Um, and it kind of backs to what I said earlier. If you look after your staff and you treat them well, and and you show them a progression within your company, then they're likely to stay with you. Uh, the reason a lot of brewers are moving is probably because they outgrow the brewer, breweries. The yep. knowledge that they need, they've outgrown it. So they go to another operation to try and get a little bit more knowledge in the hope that eventually they'll get to that head brewer role. They could do exactly the same by staying where they are and and, 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 in, and engaging with the Institute of Brewing. Right. And doing the qualifications through that way. And in, you, you, you would get the same type of effect and you'd come out the back of it as a diploma or a master brewer, mm. qualified master brewer. Um, so I think it's probably frustration. Um, and it's probably there's probably some salary element in there as well. Um, and there's a little bit of let's go and work for the next sexy brewer because mm. um, there's always another brewer that's a little bit more sexy. Um, but if you, it, it, it goes right back to looking after your people. Invest in your people, invest in their training, invest in their career, and you'll keep them. Yeah. You'll keep them. Mm. So just looking to the wider industry then, uh, Mark, where, where do you see it all heading over the next five years, looking into your crystal ball? <laughs> <coughs> uh, I think it's it's becoming more local. I think it's 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 about a story. Okay, my son goes on at me about me saying this, but everything in the brewing industry, in fact, most things in life, is about a story. Yep. And if you can get the story right, and then the pages have got good content, then you'll be successful. So Brewdog got the story right. Beavertown got the story right. Heineken got the story right. Timothy Taylor's got the story right. So you to do that, you've got to know your story. So you've got to go back and say, why am I here? And it's a question I ask my students, one of the first assignments I give them. Why is your brewery here? What's caused it to be here? And what, what, what is it? What is your brewery? Mm. So understanding what you are doing. What, why are you doing it? Are you a tap room? Are you a, an under the arches in Bermondsey trendy pub brewery? Uh, are you just brewing for the sake of filling up containers to your local area? What, what, what you, understand what you want, what you are then you'll start to be successful. Yeah. And I think localism is, is, is one way. I think we've all got used to communities now. I was talking to my lad works in London, um, in, Cop in Clapham, in, in a cocktail bar. 
and was looking at London. Uh, he was in Oxford Circus. Nobody's in Oxford Circus. Nobody's in the centre of London. But all the suburbs, they're really quite successful because people are going, you know what, I can work from home. I've got a baker down the road. I've got a butcher. There's a local pub which I quite like. I know the neighbours now. Why on earth would I want to go into London? And I think, and I think we're going to see lots more of that nuclear groups mm. uh, across the country. And, and a lot of the breweries are supporting it. I'm talking to one today, uh, Budley Brewery, down in uh, Worcestershire. How you get? How are you getting on? We haven't done some. We've never done so much beer. We're pumping it out. So well, there's nowhere open. So well, no, we've been doing home deliveries free. Uh, and we've kept our audience, and now the pubs are open, the people are going back to the pubs, so our volume is slowly growing up. And they've, they've met the market, and they've, they've offered something, and they've made the connection. They've given a good story, <laughs> funnily enough, and, and, they're, and they're shooting it. Whereas other brewers go, oh, no, I haven't done anything, I haven't pushed this out, oh, we can't do this, we can't do that. And they won't come out the other end, because they've not created that story. It's yeah. a bad story. That that's you know I was having this conversation yesterday with a brewery owner. Um, it's it, it's all about story. It's 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 branding and it's the it's the narrative basically um, and answering that what why why do you exist question. I I absolutely agree with that and I I tell both my clients and just people you know in the industry when I'm having conversations with people about telling that story. Um, because people love stories and narratives and people buy into stories and narratives far more than they'll buy into products, more than they'll even buy into the advantage of a product, which is the old way of selling something. You don't sell the product, you sell the advantages. I don't, I don't even think that works as well these days. It's people buy into the story of something. And I think as well what you said about community, and, and I think that's interesting because I know some bar owners in the centre of Sheffield where I am that just haven't seen as much footfall. Whereas there's a brewery I work with that own a couple of pubs that are on the suburbs and they're absolutely packed at the moment. Mm. Um, and I think there is more confidence about going to somewhere, you know, a bit more rural if you're in Sheffield or yeah, in the suburbs where it's not, as, it's not as packed, it's a bigger beer garden and you can yeah. go enjoy yourself, you know, without thinking like, is this going to be heaving? So I, mm. I agree about the, the localization, um, for sure. Um, so th thanks for being on the podcast today, Mark. Um, how can people find out more about HIT training if they want to maybe become an apprentice or to take on an apprentice even? Uh, yes, uh, they can uh, contact us through uh, HIT training website, uh, hittraining.co.uk, um, or they can um, drop me an e email, so it's mark.tetlow at hittraining.co.uk uh, or they'll find me on Facebook um, and I regularly pop up things on Facebook um, or through my um, thebeerhub.co.uk uh, through my um, consultancy side of my business. So yeah, number of different avenues and I'm more than happy to pick up the phone and chat through to anybody who wants more information or sort of anything more than happy. Fantastic, brilliant. Thank you, Mark. Today's episode of the Hopboard Podcast was proudly sponsored by Brewpacks. Brewpacks have been providing microbrewery supplies in small and manageable sizes for over 25 years, acting as agents and resellers for some of the world's best producers of ingredients, sundries and equipment. With some of the industry's lowest minimums and lead times, Brewpacks aim to make their products accessible to all. 
partnering with Outhouse Engineering, Brewpax have released their smallest can seam at a cost-effective price, while also aiming to provide cans the smallest minimum as possible to make the introduction into canning as easy as can be. Call Brewpax today on 01709 780 that's 01709 780 or visit their website, brewpax.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers.